welcome to our Sunday School Hour. If you would stand, we'll sing hymn number 183, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Hymn number 183, stand as we sing this one. Tracy, would you pray for us? You may be seated unless you celebrate a birthday or an anniversary. We'd like to recognize you. It's good to be in the Lord's house today and have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, we are thankful for our veterans, and we're going to acknowledge them uh, in the service today. So thankful 
uh, for them. And I'm glad to have uh, Brother Martin Kuhn and his family with us again uh, to preach uh, for us today. Uh, there will be Teen Clean coming on Saturday at 9.30. And so teens, you could be here and bring some lunch money. Uh, they always have a good time being together. And then uh, Lord's Supper will be observed on November 21st. And uh, all church members encouraged about that. Guest speaker, we're going to have Brother Rick Carter with us from Beth Haven Baptist Church in Oklahoma City on November 26th. He'll be speaking in all the services, Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday afternoon. I know he'll be a blessing to you. And then it's time to begin to think about December. Hard to believe we're already thinking about December. Um, the first Sunday of the month, uh, December, we always take a Christmas missions offering and we divide that out among the missionaries sent out of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. And so hopefully you'll be praying about what the Lord will allow you to give uh, to be a blessing to our missionaries at that time. Uh, cantata, we're going to be having cantata. It'll be December the 10th at 2 in the afternoon. So normally we start at 1 in the afternoon service. We're going to bump that back to 2. And uh, there will be a cookie fellowship afterwards. Just encourage you to come. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And then a patch program, December 17th in the afternoon service, ladies' Christmas party on December 18th uh, at uh, our house, 7 o'clock, and uh, on and on we go. So uh, we're excited about all that God's done for us, and uh, here's another exciting thing. I mentioned it on Wednesday night, and that is if you've grown accustomed to this wood look and you really like it, it's going to change. So take a picture of it if you want it. But uh, on Tuesday, Lord willing, we're going to have uh, carpet installed. Praise God for that. It'll be nice to get that moving back. And uh, so excited about that. And then pianos are, are done. They've been actually waiting on the carpet. And uh, they will arrive on Friday and be tuned and everything. So we're excited about that. Pray that all goes well. And uh, we're looking forward to next Sunday. It'll just be a wonderful day. Pianos again and carpet and but you know what every Sunday's been a good Sunday you know God's just so good to us uh, and uh, so we have a lot to be thankful for I'm going to have uh, Brother Foster come back listen to another song all Sunday school classes that's starting here will stay in here today and so just get yourself comfortable Brother Foster listen to the song I'll introduce Brother Martin and he can go to preaching so. And sing at hymn number 224, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. We'll sing the first and the last verses. Number 224. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love.
Well, it's an honor to have uh, Brother Kuhn come and preach for us, and I'm going to let him fill you in on his military background, all that good stuff, and uh, introduce his lovely wife and daughter to us. Um, but I'm thankful for good friends and uh, people that have your back and pray for you and care for you, and Brother Martin's one of those guys to me, and so I appreciate your friendship, Brother Love. I'm always amazed at how big this pulpit is. It is huge. <laughs> Amen. Now I feel big and tall. And the light catch my bling just right. All right. Hey, I am, boy, I'm always thrilled to be back here. It's uh, one of my favorite places in spite of Pastor Kevin, but... Uh, <laughs> Is one of my, in fact, I, I want to share this before we get started. He is an encourager to me. You pastor is a great encourager to me. In fact, I have a text message of encouragement from him. We know where we're going, right? And I couldn't, two weeks ago, I would have probably not been able to come. I probably would have been sick. But two weeks ago changes a lot of things. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sunday, October 29th, praying you will have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy this wonderful morning that God has made. Because I think you might be discouraged this evening, go Chiefs. <laughs> October 29th. And then it, the evening came. Well, I must say congratulations, your team played well and mine refused to show up. Love you, my friend. Go Broncos. And uh, so I thought, it, well, this is too tall. You guys are going to fix that hole in the floor now. But uh, amen. So it, it is good to be here. And the rivalry, I almost bought, uh, um, you know, because cause the record is now 16-1 and one over the last 17 games. And I was really getting excited I was going to bring a crying pillow. I received that from, from you all a few years ago, a Denver Broncos horse pillow so I could weep in when we lost to the Chiefs. That thing stayed pretty soaked. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was going to bring something, but I ought to be careful. I ought to be careful. One, one can sneak up on anybody. It's the next few uh, occasions that they might face each other, so... I'll just take the, the notes of encouragement I get from your pastor and use them as that encouragement. Uh, there, there are some things. Uh, uh, let me introduce my wife, Kimberly, and my daughter, Elizabeth, if you'll stand and twirl. We, we practice that, all right. Our oldest son, James, he's back uh, in Wichita. He, he takes care of animal duties, and uh, so he's there. We don't let him out much. He's a New England Patriots fan, so... We, we keep him locked away. But uh, uh, he, uh, he, he's back home to take care of that. Of course, our middle son, it's been a few years since he's been here. He lives out in Denver area, married to a girl from that town. I don't know. It must be in the blood. But uh, sadly to say, she's not a Denver Broncos fan. How can you live in the Denver area and not be a Denver Broncos fan? Same thing. How many of you live in the Kansas City area and you are not a Chiefs fan? Are you brave enough to raise your hand? Everybody's taking notes. Oh, we got some big hands. All right. 
bold and proud, all right, mark them for derision, all right, uh, those are the troublemakers in the church, all right, we'll separate from them heathens later, we'll talk, all right, but uh, it is good to be here and always an encouragement. This is a day, I was telling my wife, this is always a day I get confusing. Are we playing all the military songs again? See, that gets so confusing because people think I'm confused. I served my first six years in the Army, and then I joined the Marine Corps. And if you don't know how it works, the Marines are part of the Navy, so they always, before they play the Marines hymn, they play Anchors Away, and Marines stand for that. And of course, you know, Marines begrudgingly stand for Anchors Away, and then we cheer and hoop and holler and hoorah everything for Marines hymn. So then when we start playing that at church, you know, I look like I don't know which service I was in, and I'm standing for the Army, and I'm standing for the Navy, and I'm standing for the Marine Corps. So just understand, I know what I'm doing sometimes. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll be in the right place and be able to do that. Now, if I stand for the Air Force, just shoot me. And uh, it was an accident, and I won't let that happen again. Where'd he go? Oh, he's back there. All right. And... Uh, I won't let that happen again, but uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is always fun to be here and have a, a good camaraderie. I did see some of the ladies down in Wichita at the ladies' retreat. Was that last weekend? Some of them did tell me not to bring up the Chiefs-Broncos game. Sorry, I already failed at that, but uh, uh, it is good to be able to have friendships like that everywhere. We've, we've known your pastor since we were pastoring down in McPherson, Kansas, so probably back around 2011, 2012, when we first met them. So it's been a long time and a, and a good friendship and a mentorship. I really, I don't see him so much as a friend as a mentor because he's much, much older than I am. And so I try to be respectful of my elders. I don't do a good job of that, do I? <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just been a great friendship and an opportunity. I'd just love to be able to preach here and be involved. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Romans chapter 12, and, and I, I'm okay for veterans that are in here, and you can remember boot camp. We're going to talk a little bit about boot camp, and I'm, I'm okay if we have some interaction, because I did do two boot camps. I did the Army as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, and then I did a Marine boot camp as a 25-year-old, and uh, different, different experiences for sure, but I didn't, uh, you know, there different times and different ways of doing it. I know the boot camp I went to as a Marine, older Marines than me would say, it wasn't really boot camp, you were soft, and, uh, you know, we say the same thing every generation, about the next generation behind us. But there are some things that boot camp does that really sort of sets the tone. It sets the tone for your career. It's, it sets the tone if you're going to finish and be in the military, whether it's the Air Force or, or the Army or uh, the Navy or the Marine Corps. You know, that boot camp, uh, the, it sets that tone. And so uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we're familiar with this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'd like to focus on really the idea of not being conformed and being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and, and I'll, I'll put it in Marine speak, change our thinking. When I went into the Marine Corps, I, I, I really thought it was going to be a cakewalk. I really thought they, I was an E-5 in the Army and uh, had been active duty and had been National Guard. And I really thought it was going to be this, this cakewalk because I already knew how to march. I already knew my left foot from my right foot most days. And I already knew how to march. I already knew PT. I already understood the mental uh, challenges of things. I already understood the harassment, the in, in the kind, friendly way that the DIs, the drill sergeants would give you, that uh, unique motivation they provide by calling you scumbag and whatever else adjectives they use, you know. But uh, I, I understood all those things, so I thought, boy, this would be good, and boy, if they learn, uh, you know, if they, if they get to a point where they would use me to help the other recruits and the guys that didn't know how to march, and let me sure to be the leader and help them. Well, it didn't work that way. Uh, I was army puke, and, uh, you know, so I wasn't even worthy of the other Marines. And, you know, they, they, uh, they gave me honorary title of recruit drill sergeant coon. Now, drill sergeants in the army, what were they in the Air Force? Tech sergeants? Technical instructors? TIs? Okay. Navy, are they drill instructors? Anybody in Navy remember that far back? All right, I don't know that we have, Army's drill sergeants, and then the Marine Corps is drill instructors, and so to call a DI a drill sergeant, that's not good, so they made me an honorary recruit, because you're not a Marine yet when you're in Marine boot camp, made me an honorary recruit drill sergeant, right? Swabbies in the Navy, for sure. The, uh, 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 the, the, the idea that, you know, you haven't earned the title Marine, you're a recruit, so you had to request everything. Recruit, I mean, to go to the bathroom. That was, you know, I was 25 years old. I, I was asking once, and that was it. I'm going, and I just, I do push-ups later, whatever. But, you know, yeah, recruit drill sergeant request to use the head. Recruit drill sergeant request to, uh, to stand up and go get something. I had to add recruit drill sergeant. And, Every time the word drill sergeant, anybody that was around that was a Marine, I mean, they just, what, what was that? You know, I mean, it was, just, it was just trouble coming. I'd stand in the line of chow. The very first guy was potatoes, always potatoes, was the very first guy. And you had to request, recruit, request potatoes. And I had to request, recruit, drill sergeant, request potatoes. All of the DIs are signing in all of their students, all of their, their, their recruits, they're signing in. They're right next to the very first guy with potatoes, and they hear drill sergeant, and they just lose their mind. And then they, and 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 my DIs were so good. They'd they they know it was me. They'd be waiting for it to happen, and they'd come over and say, "Oh, don't mess with him. This is our army war hero." <laughs> like that helped, right? That helped. Oh, don't mess with him. He used to be an army sergeant. Oh, they. You guys are so helpful, and uh, it was miserable. It was not anything that I thought it would be. I sort of, and not, not put myself on the level of God and Moses. All right, I'm not doing that. 
But I always sort of thought it was like this. The nation of Israel would have been destroyed if God and Moses hated them both at the same time, right? I mean, there are times that God was saying, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses say, no, no, no. <laughs> These are your people. Remember your promise. Okay, I'm not going to kill them. And other times, Moses is like, God, kill them. God's saying, no, no, no. They're my people. Remember, I love them. If they'd ever got together where they hated Israel at the same time, they'd been wiped out, right? I mean, I, I'm not trying to add to Scripture or anything, but it just seemed like they, they, they had times of equal, and it was like that. If, if they had wanted me to quit on the days I wanted to quit, I would have quit. But the days they wanted me to quit was the days I was stubborn and saying, I'm not quitting, you're not making me quit. And the days that I was in my own head, ready to quit, none of them were around convincing me to try to quit, you know. So it was, an, it was a mental and emotional time. And then they come up with stupid things that they taught us, like uh, these. You know what these are? Anybody? Yes, lightly used running shoes. I make a car payment, so I don't have to use these too much. They're running shoes. Anybody Marine in here? Anybody Marine background? Usually I'm the only one in here. All right, that's all you need is one Marine. That's too many, probably. But these are go-fasters. Hello? That's what the Marine taught me. The Marine do not call these tennis shoes or running shoes or whatever other term you would put to them. They are go-fasters. And guess what's the opposite of go-fasters? Go-slowers? Those are no, those are called combat boots. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the idea is you get issued two pair of foot attire, and one of them is a combat boot, and you don't run very fast in combat boots, and so these are your go-fasters. And if you said the word tennis shoe, you would owe the DIs. I'm going to go get my running shoes. Oh, no, you're not. You're going to go get your go-fasters. And they would change it. I think in here I have something else. I think I've used this, this analogy before. What, what would you call this? No. It's a moonbeam. In the Marine Corps, you don't call it a flashlight. Nothing more impressive than a big, hardcore Marine DI up there saying, all right, gal, you recruits, you nasty recruits, get your moonbeams out, we're going running. Or what? Or moonbeams, that that sounds a little childish for sure. Get your moonbeams and your go-fasters and you go running. This is in the first couple weeks of boot camp. What do you think they're trying to do? They're trying to brainwash you, yeah, uh, you know. They're trying to change your thinking. Because it's civilians that have tennis shoes and running shoes. It's not unique to the Marine Corps that you go running miles upon miles upon miles for no apparent reason other than to run miles. There's no apparent reason to call a flashlight that's been a flashlight and known by everybody that it's a moonbeam. There's no apparent reason to do that other than to change your thinking. You're now a Marine, so when you get off of the bus, and by the way, the bus only delivers recruits to Paris Island and to uh, 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 Los Angeles out there by the, uh, or San Diego out by the, 
of the San Diego airport. They only deliver them at night, between 11 o'clock and 2 in the morning. They'll drive around South Carolina if they're running early just to make sure that they pull in to recruit a, a boot camp reception at night. So they, the eyes come up running on the bus yelling. Half the, the, the bus is being awoken by screaming and yelling, get your stuff, get off the bus, get, go, go, go. And all the extra adjectives that show up with that and all the name calling and all of these things. that are there. And, and they change it. And you're standing on yellow footprints and they're shaped a certain way and you better not show those yellow footprints. You stand there on that and you've got bags and you've got a scared... Uh, a deer in the headlights look and you've got everything and you're regretting every decision you've made up to that point. And then they take you into the glass uh, uh, front building and you go in, you sit at bleachers, they yell at you, go and sit down, sit in the seat. No, don't pick a seat, pick the next seat. Oh, you'll get back out there, go back in fast enough. And you do this thing, to, you know, three, four times just to get seated in a seat. And then you, they answer you questions and you're, you know, the initial questions, nobody answers because nobody knows, if, are you talking to me? <laughs> They're all talking to everybody at the same time. And, you know, all, what's your name? Can I tell you, when they say, what's your name, that sounds like it's an individual question, doesn't it? When there's 30 people that just got off the bus, what's your name is a group question, and they really don't care. But they will yell at you because you did not give them your name. So then they yell, they've yelled at you, what's your name? And finally everybody, 30 answer, my name is, and, and oh my, you're a recruit. You don't have any identity. You don't even earn pronouns, which would be very confusing in today's world. But, you know, you don't have any pronouns. You're a recruit. You, you don't exist. And they start right in day one changing your thinking. They yell at you because you all answered at the same time when they asked for your name. What are you, stupid? Why would I ask the whole group your name? I can't hear your name when you all yell it out. Now we don't even know what the right answer is. We don't know what the wrong answer is. And we haven't done one push-up yet. We're going to learn very quickly what that in, uh, instills into us. They have taken us from inspections. I remember in, in boot camp, we would polish our shoes. We would press our uniforms, we would just put everything in, in place, and they said, we're going to have an inspection, and you better not fail this. Nobody would ever inspect us. They would take us right to the sand pit, and we would do exercises in the sand pit in a newly pressed inspection attire. Talk about motivation. Why? They're changing your thinking. They remove your hair. They, that very first night, they take all of your possessions, everything you wore into the station, everything that you got on the bus and you thought you'd need for boot camp, they take all of it, put it in a bag, sign it, and don't give it to you for three months. They change your, they change your style. Everybody, they don't wear these kind of shoes. They're not near as comfortable as Nike, but... They would give everybody the same color tennis shoes, everybody the same color sweats, everybody the same camouflage uniform, everybody the same green socks, everybody the same brown t-shirt. They would give everybody the same thing. They'd cut all of our hair, take away our personality, take away facial hair, and we'd just become a recruit. Then they would start putting knowledge into us. They tell us about A.A. Cunningham, who is the first Marine aviator. 
They tell us about Dan Daly and Smedley Butler, who were uh, two men that served uh, active duty enlisted men that received the, uh, the Medal of Honor twice. And, you know, I mean, just heroes uh, of the history of the Marine Corps. They tell you about the invasion at Incheon in Korea on August 2nd of 1950. You'd learn about Marines of all of the wars, and you would, you would be so inundated because you wiped away Martin Kuhn prior to getting off of that bus and standing on those yellow footprints. You wipe him away, you create this new terminology of go-fasters and moonbeams and recruit, and then you give history and connection to the past and an identity, and that's why Marines are the way we are after we've been out of the Marine Corps for almost 20 years. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Think to Marines that you know. I mean, they are the most obnoxious, arrogant Denver Broncos woo, fans there are. Well, all right, maybe that last part was just me. But, you know, they, they are unique in that regard. And I'm not saying they are the best service. I'm not. I mean, you know, the Army's got great commercials. The Air Force and Navy and Coast Guard, great commercials of technology and improving yourself. And then the Marine Corps has, you know, lava monsters that we're fighting and uh, you know I mean they've got weird commercials everybody's running the other way and we're running into the sandstorm you know that's foolish but they, they've got this mentality of what they're doing right now we're pretty smart we're the Sunday school crowd are you seeing the connection what God wants us to do in our Christian life before we're saved before we're saved, we have an identity, just like I did before I got on the bus. In fact, when I got on the bus, I was married. My wife, uh, James, was two, one, not even two, I don't think. Uh, so I went in 95 in the Marine Corps. He was 94, so he wasn't even two. And uh, she was pregnant with our second child, and I was, uh, I, I'd had an a interview with the uh, Burger King management team, and I was serving in the National Guard, and really just sort of not sure where I was going. And I told my wife, well, they want me to go to the MEPS, just see if there's an option to go to boot camp. So I went to MEPS. I didn't go home. And my wife... I didn't plan on going into boot camp at that point, and my wife didn't plan on me going into boot camp at that point. We thought that we'd go, we'd find a, a, a date that would work and maybe a plan that would work, and then, uh, you know, we'd have a date and a schedule, and I'd go off to boot camp in January. But on December 27th, two days after Christmas, a fine howdy-doody to my wife, I was like, hey, they got a deal. If I don't take it now, it may not be there. I'm not coming home. I'll see you in March. And uh, uh, amen. I, I would not recommend that, just for the record. You, you know, that puts a real strain on a marriage and uh, a time. I come home. I don't know what she was saying when I was gone, but I come home after three months. I hug her. My son, 18 months old, attacks me, you know, kicks me. He hates me or whatever at that time. Now, he likes me now, but he's still a Patriots fan, so we don't like him. But, you know, the, 
the, you know, it, it was different. He didn't know who I was. And I come back, no hair, wearing camouflage. You know, he just didn't know who I was. And, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a very unique situation. But, you know, so was my salvation. You know, I was a boy of nine years old. I didn't have a, you know, I wasn't quite a full member of Hell's Angels at that point yet. But, uh, you know, I didn't have a, a horrible life of sin, but I still had a, a sin that I was accountable for. I had three brothers. You know, I was, in my mind, a mass murderer, a man that hated his brother as a murderer already, and I had three of them, so... That would have made me a serial killer. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, lying and, and, and doing all these things. And I'll tell you, I grew up in church. My parents were saved when I was about two years old, so all I knew was church. And uh, I grew up in church, and I heard salvation. And, and every couple of weeks, I, I heard what it was that sin sends you to hell, and sin can't get you into heaven. And Mama told me when I hit my brother, that was a sin. When I lied, when I did something else wrong, that was a sin. And I needed to, uh, uh, you know, not sin. And, and I, in my mind, I was confused. That, that meant I needed to get saved again. And I'm glad I had a teacher that was very patient that didn't tell me, well, you prayed last week. You don't need to pray this week. Because I was no more saved. But a teacher explained to me what it was where salvation is God saving us from sin's penalty not the action of sin because we still struggle with that as long as we're in this flesh and so as a boy of nine years old i i had an aha moment oh that's what it means so when i put my faith in what jesus did on the cross it saves me from the penalty someday that i will pay when i stand before god Instead of being cast into the lake of fire because my name's not written in the book, because I've accepted Jesus Christ, I've placed my faith, my name has been written down, I will not be cast away. I'll still struggle with sin. I'll still need God's power, God's grace, God's help, God's spirit to overcome those sins. I'll still succumb to the ones that easily beset me. But by God's grace, God will forgive like I never did it before. And so that is an ongoing exercise of faith. But in that moment, in that moment of a, of a salvation decision, I accepted. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was the truth. He's the Son of God. He died on the cross to save me from my sin's penalty. That's it. That settled it. That's my unique story. I hope you have a unique story like that. And if you don't, you can start your unique story today. But it is that simply, you can't rely on being good, you can't rely on being a, a, a big enough giver, a regular attender, a church member, a church officer, a, uh, a you know, wet in a baptistry tank, or, uh, you know, you can't rely on any of those things, only Jesus Christ is the way to say. So that was the first step of our changing of our thinking. And now that we've had that experience, the process that God puts us through is to continue this path. Now, there, when I left boot camp and I went out into the fleet, that's what they call it when you become a Marine and you serve out in units, you're out in the fleet. Nobody called them go-fasters. I don't call them go-fasters today. You know, I don't call it moonbeam. It's a flashlight. That mentality, when they were changing my thinking 
in boot camp to get me to stop being who I was before so they can mold me into who they want me to be. It didn't mean I had to be weird and have weird terminology for tennis shoes and running shoes, all right? And God, sometimes I think, sometimes I think in the Christian walk, we think, well, for me to be a Christian and be able to do these things, I've got to make sure I'm weird. And, you know, I wear a tie and a suit everywhere I go. Or I, I'm, uh, you know, pious in this. And I've got to exude religion. That's not, that's not what the Christian walk's about. Those people are borderline legalist. And they're really people that are just walking around pharisaical condemning other people. That's not who we're to be. We're to change our thinking. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 1, hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. We're at verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, Go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So do you think God wants to change our thinking? From the time we had the experience of salvation, we're expected to grow and mature. And understand the purpose that he brings into things into our life. And can I tell you, Christian, the way for us to show that maturity, the way for us to show that understanding and that wisdom 
is how we respond to things. So, the Christian walk is not easy, but it's not hard either. I I mean, you know, if we didn't have instruction, and God just left it us to figure it out, yeah, it could be a real challenge. You know, because somebody would do it a certain way, and somebody else would do it a certain way. If I'd had my way of how I thought marine boot camp would work, it'd been a whole lot different experience. And in fact, guess what? I would have been. I wouldn't have been a marine when it was over. I would have been an army puke who thought he knew how to be a marine. I'm telling you that. Now, I'll tell you this, Army, please understand this. I, every time they called me an Army puke or less a Marine, I would tell them I'm Marine Plus. They didn't like it. You know, I'm Marine Plus. Because I, I purposely went back to boot camp, even though I knew what was ahead of me. Most of them had no clue. You know, they went as young people. I knew what laid ahead of me. I, I sacrificed E5 rank to become an E2 and go back to boot camp and have to start all over in that process again. Uh, you know, I, I was a 25-year-old guy who was taking an assessment of my life at that point, you know, where these guys were just, you know, trying to get away from mom and dad or trying to get away from home or didn't want to go to college or whatever. I am amazed, though, Everybody at boot camp left the prettiest girl at home and the hottest hot rod at home and all turned down football scholarships. And, you know, it was, really, that's your story? That's that guy's story, and that's that guy's story. Just be honest. You didn't want to be the fry guy anymore. That's why you joined the Marine Corps. You know, none of us really understood our whole direction. I, at 25, thought I had a better understanding of the of the decision I was making, but I look back at it now as a 53-year-old thinking, well, that was a little stupid the way I did some things. But we're supposed to learn and grow and go towards a goal, not a Marine Corps, but the Scripture. One chapter, that one chapter, if God left us one chapter in the whole Bible, Proverbs chapter 4 will settle all of the questions of our life. But he left us 66 books worth of truth and examples. And yet, we do what we want to do. Well, that's not how I would do it. I'm sure God didn't mean for me in that verse. I'm sure there's, there's uh, you know, some flexibility in God's plan. I mean, God knows I love her. So it's okay, you know, purity, where's the line for that? I mean, kissing and making out, it's not like we're going all the way, so I'm still pure. God tells us. Well, maybe I'll get her saved. Maybe I'll get him saved. I know we're not to be unequally yoked, but it's love, and they're willing to do anything for me, and they're, they're willing to change this. By the way, I'm not talking to the seniors in here, right? Maybe I am. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is that in our relationships, can I tell you, in our careers, God speaks on those things. In our debt, God speaks to these things. 
He tells us how to handle our finances. He tells us about stewardship. He tells us about relationships. He tells us about our, our witnessing, our, our uh, behavior as a believer, our testimony that we live to others. God tells us all these things. I'm glad he doesn't shave our heads, send us to boot camp, and teach us how to walk. But in essence, he does bring things into our life like that. He may bring cancer into your life. He may bring some financial heartache, a losing of a job, investments, tanking. He may bring some challenges into your life. He may bring a boss that is worthy. Yeah. And yet you've got to maintain your Christian testimony with that boss. He'll bring, he may bring parents into your life that don't have the same zeal for God that you know God wants you to have. You may be able to look and blame all the circumstances around you, but God doesn't let you blame all the other circumstances around you. He shouts at the group, but he wants an individual response. What about you? Has your thinking changed since you got saved? Has it changed the right way? Are you at the end of your life going to earn? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or are we just going to talk about your potential? You know, at the end of that, I, I enjoyed the time I served in, in the Army. And I'll tell you, I served in combat in the Army. And, and when I was in the Marine Corps, I was in the rear with the gear, you know. And uh, uh, there they wasn't... Uh, a lot of oorah, charging, hard charging, anything like that. My highest awards that I wear are from the Army. My, my accommodations, my, my experiences, foundation was a young guy. We're in the Army. I wear uh, uh, you know, more Army ribbons and medals than I did in the Marine Corps because of the situation, uh, Somalia and Desert Storm and uh, Berlin Wall. You know, all of those situations, those experiences were when I was in the Army. But there was something that the Marines did that made me claim being a Marine more than being a soldier. And not that the Army was bad, but the Army never taught me what their theme song was. The Marines taught me the Army had a theme song. And they did it in a mocking way, and I had to sing it in front of everybody. And uh, I'm not a very good singer, and singing as the caissons go rolling along, that's not a very good song to be belting out in a Marine boot camp. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, it was a unique experience. And I love once a Marine, always a Marine, that mentality. I see guys on Facebook, I see guys passing. I was able to teach fourth graders in school uh, uh, in Goddard uh, on Friday, teaching them how to say oorah, you know. Not the Army, but oorah. And, uh, uh, you know, so we were doing all of these things, and I'm proud of that. But you know, Christian, we need to take that and magnify it of being a Christian and being proud of it. Not self-righteous, but our thinking has changed. We're laying up treasures in heaven. We know that this earth is a temporary thing. We know that these trials and tests are just to prove us to be once a Christian, always a Christian. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So is your... Has your thinking changed? 
Have you had go faster moments and moonbeam moments in your life? Where it doesn't make sense that God's trying to teach me something and change my thinking so that he can produce a better result at the end? May I encourage you this week, whatever Bible reading you do, add Proverbs 4 and read it at least three times through this week. Read it through this week, Proverbs chapter 4, and Lord, what do you have for me? I mean, it, in, in just the first reading, it has a lot for you. But Proverbs chapter 4, read that. I think God will have a lot to say about how we're to respond to wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding. And then when you're in your other scripture reading or you're hearing your pastor preach, you're starting to recognize, oh, this is that wisdom God wanted me to get. Well, this is that understanding God wanted me to get. This is how I change and affect my life. This is how I get to the end and I earn the title, well done, a good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. May it be an encouragement to our hearts. May it be convicting where we're getting it wrong. And Lord, uh, may you have your will and way in everything we say and do. Bless the remainder of this day, Lord, as we strive to please you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.